On this episode, we discuss Ghost in the Shell. Was this the ghost with the most or the shell with the smell? <laughs> nice. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Beep boop. I am Stuart Wellington, Ultimate Otaku. And from <laughs> all the way on the west coast of the United States of America, it's me, Elliot Kalen, Los Angeles edition. QT music. You have to wait. Hold on. Could you see all the images of me in like a convertible and babes in bikinis and like? Yep. Okay. Good. Okay. That's what that was all supposed to be. Couple of shots of like hazy palm trees. Yep. You know it. A surfer off in the distance. Is that Elliot? It's not. And then there's like a dog catching a frisbee for some reason. A California raisin hanging ten. <laughs> you're like why would he go in the water he's gonna turn into uh, a grape <laughs> yeah this is the first uh, episode that we're recording uh in different on uh, different coasts real quick dan this is important if you throw yeah. a bunch of raisins in the water they <laughs> transform back into grapes uh yeah it's called benjamin buttoning them <laughs> <laughs> okay oh yeah yeah let me let me go check the science on that mm-hmm. dan you're our science guy can you check it Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I think that what you get is a bunch of soggy raisins, actually. Enough fooling around, Dan. What do we do on this podcast? Okay. <laughs> uh, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. We otaku week- about it? <laughs> uh, whoa. This week we talked about Ghost in the Shell. No, 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 well, Dan, we're about no. to talk about it. We haven't talked about it yet. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Stuart. I was about to correct Dan's tense and I'm Good glad night, you were on it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Dan, the only way that that's true that we talked about it is because I'm three hours behind you on the other part of the country. But even then, it doesn't quite make sense. That's some pretty deep science fiction you're talking about there, Elliot. Yeah. Oh, Uh, the things we have to warn you about. The science fiction of time zones. Just like my new science fiction novel series, Time Zone Cop. (laughs) He's a cop who solves mysteries that involve time differences. Uh Uh-huh. He's like, wait a minute. That plane was in the air at midnight and somebody fed a mogwai <laughs> <That's> the <laughs> i solution cracked the, the mystery <laughs> what, what possible mystery could this be the case of how a gremlin got on a plane <laughs> yeah he's like there's no way they would have let him on that plane he's a gremlin yeah Did also say- he was carrying more than three ounces of water <laughs> and he's got a mogwai's passport on him. that's the reason they don't let you take water on planes is because you might drop it on a gremlin or a mogwai suddenly yeah. they're multiplying or drop it on a raisin and suddenly you got a soggy raisin yeah and how is I mean, that I- how's that raisin gonna sing a doo-wop song if it's all covered in water it can't <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming they would let a mogwai on a plane, even if it was going to be after midnight, because they're like, who likes airline food? Am I right? Oh, okay. Am I right, guys? Mm. Wait, what is it? Oh, I see. Because he wouldn't eat. I get you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. 
Um, well, we? and that, I guess that that's the end of the podcast, everybody. <laughs> for good. <laughs> we're, uh, shut, we're shutting down shop. <laughs> the flop house has been condemned. Dan, uh, what, so what do we do on this podcast? We already said that. No, you said we talked about a movie. <laughs> we, all right, we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And on this episode, we're <clears> going <throat> to talk about... Thank you. Ghost in the Shell. Now, a movie a- that we just downloaded into our eyeball brains mm-hmm. sometime mm-hmm. recently. Now, there's a there's a big controversy, as everyone may know already, about Ghost in the Shell, because it's based mm-hmm. on a Japanese cartoon based on a comic book from Japan. But almost everybody in the movie is not Japanese, but they still have mm-hmm. Japanese names. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. Dan, explain. Well, uh, by all means, let us as three white guys talk about this controversy. That seems like uh, it best. seems like we would just be endorsing our own privilege by taking our privilege of not having to talk about it. That's true. Yeah, Dan. Uh, <clears throat> why did they do this? Is yeah, that what why, you're asking? Why'd they do it? So it could have uh, appeal at home and abroad. They did it because it's a big, it's expensive movie and they thought like Scarlett Johansson would get butts and seats. But they were wrong. <laughs> Dan says sadly. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's talk about what's in the. Movie, I mean, it's huh? I mean, it's not uncommon for uh, any kind of adaptation to uh, when you're going to adapt uh, something from a different culture to your own culture in a way to to change the ethnicity. But that's the only thing they change about it. Basically. Everything else <laughs> seems to very clearly take place in like they didn't de. Japanify anything about it other than the ethnicities of the leads, which leads to a strange set of juxtapositions. But uh, Dan, uh, I don't know what he's talking about. But <clears throat> okay, well, he, like, anyway, said that he said that in such a pregnant pause way that I thought <laughs> there was like guys, I got joke some big, coming. I, I got some big news. What's my, that? My pause is pregnant. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, uh, I guess congratulations. Thank you very you, much. Was it this was, planned? No, it was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but me and my pause, we uh, we've been thinking about starting a family for a long time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> there it was, Dan. Anyway, okay. Enough of me. You wasting. know, people were worried that when we started remote recording, we wouldn't miss a beat. <laughs> well, they were wrong. We missed a couple. We missed many beats. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about what's in the movie then, huh? Ghost in the Shell. So we start with our favorite opening thing, a text crawl that explains a little bit about what the future is like. Now, luckily, it does not start with a voiceover of Scarlett Johansson being like, you know, my mother told me, da, 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 da. But that's only because she doesn't remember her mother. The text tells us that in the future, basically, people are becoming more and more cyborg, and the government is putting a human brain in a robot body. Then this, we see, Get out of here. Oh, yeah. They, they take uh, these surgeons that all have, like, digital amplifier waves over their faces. Uh, we see them take out a human brain and put it in a plastic body that, for some reason, has boobs. And then they put a layer of skin over it that looks kind of like a milk liquid. And then the milk liquid mm. flakes away, and there's a very pale, nude, nippleless Scarlett Johansson underneath. And there's lots of like electronic choral music, like we're watching the birth of a new stage in evolution. This is the most amazing thing that's ever happened. Yeah. So, Dan, I guess what I'm saying is, why did they give this robot boobs? But no nipples. Uh, that's, why, the, that's the real question. I mean, I why, feel like if I feel like the boobs, like you're trying to just you know make the robot 
blend in in society. But then if you know you forget the nipples, then there's a key component of this disguise that you've I mean left that out. only comes like in how if- deep cover is she trying to go under? <laughs> I mean it all that would know. only come into play if she was solving a crime at a nude beach, I guess, like in uh <laughs> yep. l- like in uh, car wash. What's a uh, why can Ooh, I not a shot in the dark? A shot in the dark, thank you. I kept thinking a scent of something, and I'm like, that's not what <laughs> that's not a Clouseau movie. A scent of Pink Panther. <laughs> Scat of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh no! Uh, yes, uh, she's so anything that involved toplessness, she's just going to get caught out right away. Which, yeah. as we see, though, her main crime fighting technique is to take off her clothes and go invisible. So mm-hmm. maybe right. they're just thinking she's going to be invisible, <laughs> so no one's going to notice she doesn't have nipples anyway. Yeah, this is the most important question about the movie, <laughs> uh, Dan. You pointed out earlier that we're three guys, so we were wondering yeah. about this. Now, Scarlett Johansson wakes up. She's told that she died in a refugee boat that was sinking. And her French mm-hmm. doctor explains killed by to, terrorists. Uh, and that her yeah, refugees were killed by terrorists. And the French doctor explains to her basically what we already know that she's a br- human brain in a robo body. Uh, and then it gets explained again. So the movie has to the concept of a human brain in a robot body, which I feel like is not that hard a concept to figure out. It gets explained like three or four times pretty early in the movie. Did you guys have trouble? Was it not till the last explanation that you were like, oh, I get it. They put a person's brain in a robot. Yeah, yeah I mean, she doesn't look like a robot. You said she had boobs, right? Uh, most of I mean, robots have had breasts for millennia. Uh, I guess but- RoboCop did, too. <laughs> I mean, basically just I mean, since Mol- Metropolis. Yeah, that's what I meant. Millennia. For thousands of years, robots have had boobs. Today on the History Channel, ancient robot boobs. What archaeologists are discovering now. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels like the type of person that's going to go and plunk down some hard-earned cash at the Cineplex mm-hmm. to go see a movie called Ghost in the Shell probably is going to grasp onto the idea that that character is a robot with a human's brain in it. Unless the whole time they're like, when's this ghost going to climb into this shell? Like they think it's going to be about a ghost of a hermit crab that's just yeah. looking for the right He's shell. Switch his shell. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out the shell he was looking for was inside him all along. Oh, that's really interesting. Wait, and, as a ghost? Yeah. And then he can go to hermit crab heaven, which is the okay. name of my uh, Jimmy Buffett themed beach shack. <laughs> <laughs> try try the Herm burger. It's pretty tasty. It's really weird though that you're eating uh you're eating a burger made out of hermit crabs at a place called Hermit Crab Heaven. <laughs> well, there's no better heaven than the human digestive tract. <laughs> Seems like like <laughs> size-wise you need to harvest a lot of hermit crabs. Oh so. yeah, one patty takes a number of hermit crabs. But you barely even notice how small the patties are because we put a heaping helping of surf sauce on there. And, you're oh, like, okay. and surf sauce is really where the tang comes in, that tasty mm-hmm. tang you only get at uh, at Hermit Crab Heaven. Yeah, is it because it's made of tang. Yeah, oh, man, you beat me to it. <laughs> now, is that Hermit Crab Burger, is that like that one French king, the uh, the Sun King, who would make a casserole out of peacock brains, and you're like, how many peacocks did he have to kill? <laughs> That's crazy. It is well, exactly like that. Peacocks were like rats back in the olden days. They were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And if you slap some ooze on them, they'll learn kung fu and teach <laughs> some turtles. <laughs> those, those are the main things that peacocks and rats have in common is their reaction to ooze and kung fu. <laughs> so uh, we find that we are in a city of the future. Back to the movie. 
It's basically Metropolis meets. No, no, I mean, not, back to the. Oh, boy. Uh, we're in one of your standard cities of the future. It's like Metropolis meets Blade Runner meets the Lego movie meets like a Hot Wheels track. And there's like hologram advertisements everywhere. The whole mm-hmm. movie. And this sets the stage for what I would call uh, too late visionariness, where it's like we had talked about this many, many episodes back with the Hansel and Gretel movie where it was like. If I hadn't seen this exact type of future cities design so many times, I'd be like, wow, this is really cool. Like on the face of it, it's pretty cool. There's big hologram advertisements and multi-level highways and things like that. But I've seen yeah. it so many times at this point. So Just many like with, times. Like Hansel and Gretel, like if like if you hadn't seen uh, Evil Dead 2 and you weren't aware that Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter existed – then you'd be like, this is a cool like, idea. Is, yeah. I mean, not that Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunters is a good uh, book or movie, but it is, you know, Wait, the you same read the sort book? of thing. I know. I've never read the book. Oh, I guess wow. I'm just talking about oh, some, Somebody's judging without having actually seen <laughs> yeah, it. true. Well, well, well. Looks like you're like one of those internet reviewers, who, or I guess internet commenters, who gets mad when people review superhero movies negatively, even though they haven't seen the movie yet. Mm-hmm. I'm exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what Dan spends his uh, third wait Thursday before Friday nights doing when <laughs> yeah. uh, a big a hot new Marvel property comes out or a or when a DC movie gets a bad review. You're mm-hmm. like, you're just being paid by Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> you just hate comic books and all superheroes. But there's really that's only, why there's only that's one why every time you see that. a a, t- a movie critic who reviews. DC movies poorly. That's why they're driving around in like Lambos and uh, <laughs> yeah. they're just spending all this crazy money because yeah. Marvel just pays just them, like dude. How, like climate change scientists are just in it for the grant money. Like, that's yeah. why you see them uh, living it up, you mm-hmm. know, whooping it up at the Hotel of California, living it up. <laughs> uh, conveniently located to Hermit Crab Heaven, my burger right. shack. <laughs> Good. Uh, right on the beach. So, anyway. So we Scarlett Johansson's character is called Major, and she is a major weapon in the fight against crime and terrorism. Oh. <laughs> and uh, she, we see her on a mission where she has to go into like a robo geisha house full of yep. incredibly frightening robo geishas. And wait, and let me say one thing here: the Ghost in the Shell movie, the original one, the cartoon. I haven't seen it since it came out. I don't remember it super well. I don't remember loving it at the time. And so any design stuff that's taken from that movie, it's like. All oh, right, that was a long time ago. But even then, that kind of stuff was fairly well trodden ground after Blade Runner and things like that. So, uh, if I'm say that the Robo Geishas are incredibly frightening looking and not at all sexy, maybe they're meant to be that way because of the original source material. They're supposed to be horrifying. But you have these like rich guys hanging out in a bar that's staffed by these horrifically scary robots wearing huge <laughs> wigs and geisha robes. And you're like, uh-huh. this is a weird place to relax. I would not be able to, to stay calm in this place. Well, isn't one of those guys, one of those business guys played by Michael Wincott? Yeah. Yeah. He's terrifying too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want to be among my own people. <laughs> terrifying one thing I'll people. Say, the weird thing about those robo geishas, first off, I think they look really cool. And a lot of their their face transforming is that's practical effects, which is pretty cool. That is cool. But one of the weird things is the Japanese actress whose face they modeled those masks from on the perform the stunt performers gets billing in the movie. Like her name is on the poster. What? <laughs> is she yeah, a yeah, big yeah. star? I guess she's a pretty big star, yeah. 
I don't have her name in front of me, so I'm not going to try and say it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. The, the RoboGeisha designs look really but cool do you think, for but scary RoboGeishas. They, they don't look very cool for like, oh, these are people who are going to help me to relax after a long day of work. So yeah. you're saying it's a poorly designed uh, club. I'm saying for the function of the film, which is to be ominous and eerie, perfect design. For the function of the club within the world of the film, terrible design. I mean, the people seem to be loving it. They're yeah. having a great time. <laughs> it's the exact until until that one sticks all our Cthulhu tentacles out of her mouth and jacks <laughs> yeah. into the back of his head. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of the space diner in the Star Wars prequel, where for uh-huh. the purpose of that movie, that is not a good design. It's hard to believe that in the far off land of Star Wars, they have space diners that look like fifty fifties di- diners. But for the purposes of the characters in the film, who just want to go to a comfortable place, get a quick cheap meal with friends everywhere, and like a real casual sense of. I don't have to put on airs. This is just a restaurant for working Jedi like me. It's a perfect design. There's a reason those and, diners and call are back, uh, Call back to like a simpler time when those Jedis were kids and they weren't <laughs> yeah. burdened with all these crazy things going on in the world. Back when Jedis like didn't have to worry about what was happening with minorities. Things were just, po- you know, polit- easier back <laughs> Politics then. were a little simpler. Oh, yeah. Back when, you know, picket fences and uh, – you know, father knows best on the TV and all that stuff. When Jedi's knew that America was the best. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're also introduced via telecommunication to ScarJo's boss, Takeshi Kitano, who has kind of like quicksilver hair. Oh my god, he looks like they are. <laughs> he looks like a cross between the owl or uh, <laughs> what, what's that flat top from yeah. Dick Tracy <laughs> with a little bit uh, of Gary Oldman's Dracula in there. He looks amazing. It's like they some it's something about I guess Takeshi Kitano has reached that point that great actors get to where they're like, if I'm going to do this role, I want crazy hair. <laughs> oh, I didn't really notice it. Really? Really? Yeah. His, his hair. You is thought that was crazy. a normal hairstyle? <laughs> I just thought it was like have like his hair like swooped back. You know? <laughs> no, Danny looks like Wolverine. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Are you like Marvel artists in the late '80s, early '90s who thought they could just get away with giving everybody that haircut? <laughs> <laughs> the haircut nobody could have ever in in life. Dan is like looking good, beat. Maybe I'll think <laughs> about that hair. Huh? Okay. Mister Sonatine over there's got a pretty good do. Do you think Takeshi Kitano was like? There. Do you think when That's they him, right? when they approached him about the movie, he was Fireworks, like, yeah. he was like, I'm, you know, Johnny Mnemonic was kind of a flop. <laughs> this one's bound to be a hit. <laughs> uh, there was, but he was like, American movies always want to take my cachet and put it into not very good movies, and uh, I said I'd never do it again. But okay, one last score. <laughs> and yeah. then never again and he knows he's going to get pulled in again uh, so anyway assassins come in uh, they attack the head of a what robotics company or he's an executive at a robotics company uh, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of robot and hologram effects and Cthulhu tentacles are coming out of the robo geishas Major turns invisible pulls a lot of Matrix tricks starts shooting basic super assassin stuff uh, and she's fighting like guys with metal bits all over their faces and like robo mm-hmm. arms and she's part of Section 9, an elite security squad. Uh, and it turns out the executives at Hanka Robotics, the one robotics company that is so powerful, it basically controls everybody. Uh, they had their stuff hacked into, and they were murdered by a mysterious figure. Yeah. Who is this mystery figure? You following all this, Dan? We don't know yet. Oh, okay. I thought they, they give him a name. <laughs> they do eventually. He, well, we're not up to he, him yet. 
And he wears a cool cloak, right? Yeah. Well, eventually, that part? I will say eventually you find out his name is Koozie because he keeps drinks cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got him. <laughs> should have, somebody should have said that to him after they blasted his head off. <laughs> <laughs> guess you'll be keeping drinks cold in hell and they're like that's actually a very hard job that would be very impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so Major is kind of like she's a person but she's kind of like a robot uh, I feel like they kind of like Scarlett Johansson is trying to balance being a trying to figure out am I a human am I a robot what am I uh, there's yeah. a surprising amount of time in the movie where people just tell her how beautiful she is, as if she's an object and not a person. Uh, and it's one of two times in the movie where I felt like, I was like, movie, you're basically actually doing that, treating her like an object and not a person. You don't get to have characters doing that as if you're making a big point. Like, come yeah, on, hang movie. a Hang a lampshade on it. Or yeah. hang a, what's the phrase? Yeah, hang a lantern on it? Hang a lantern on it. <laughs> hang a lantern, yeah. <laughs> uh, hang the red lantern on it. Um, yep. So... Uh, she's, and we're she's introduced named, to her partner at this point. Her partner's name is Batu. Batu, yeah. And was he? Who's he played by? Some uh, big Hulkin dude. Is it? The, I don't know. It's not the bad guy, Uncle Greyjoy from Game of Thrones, is it? I think he. It might be. Yeah. Okay. It looks like him, and he's like, you know, he's he's kind of a Wolverine. He's like a brawler. He works for the good guys, but you know, he likes to fight, and he's close to animals. He keeps some mm-hmm. dogs. Uh, he's always asking Major to feed his dogs for him. Uh, he looks normal. He's got a really uh, normal human pair of eyeballs. Well, uh, he, well those get, <laughs> he, get, those get he starts with normal eyeballs like a human would have. <laughs> That's such a, like, without the context of the movie, that would be such a funny way of like, explaining someone to someone else. Like, like what does he look like? Uh, you know, he's got normal human eyeballs. <laughs> a nose, right, well, a couple of fingers. About. Who knows? Um so they're uh, they're trying to track this uh, track down this uh, hacker this mysterious hacker figure. So of and, course uh, Major has to do a deep dive into the Robo Geisha. <laughs> and uh, Major is having fragments of her memory pop in and out, and it's very disconcerting to her. Uh, visions of some other past or world, but she doesn't know what it is. And uh, this is the movie's idea of like deep subtext: is she's talking to her doctor, and Major says, "How do you tell the glitches from the rest of me?" And uh, she doesn't. She doesn't feel human. The doctor says memories don't define us. What we do defines us. And it's like, have memories ever defined anyone? Because you can't just go into someone's head and read their memories, right? Like you can only judge someone by what they do. I don't know that nobody's like, yeah, this guy seems like a great guy, but look at his memories. Oh, forget it, bad dude. Is that like a like a uh, a futuristic version of being like, don't live in the past, dude? move forward i guess that's exactly what it is but it's futuristic so she says beep boop afterwards Mm -hmm. well she says it and then she removes her eyes from (laughs) her face (laughs) because her eyes slide off like a weird panel right yeah well that's the uh, that's the other doctor the one who works in the autopsy morgue so are we talking about the doctor played by juliette binoche or no that's the one who says how do i pronounce that yeah that's right i'm gonna mispronounce a bunch of names Yeah, juliette pinochet because she was a horrible dictator for a while. Uh, so, but yeah, Major has to do with the help of a of a morgue technician whose eyes slide off, so she can plug other things into her robo eyes. Uh, she has to take a deep dive into the robo geisha's memory because uh, I thought memories don't define us, but they're judging this robo geisha by her memories. So, look at your own self, Scarjo. Anyway, uh, her memory is all like creepy hallways, 
and there's a robed guy. You can't see his face, but he looks like a real Anakin Skywalker uh, looking at a robo body, and he force hurls her into a pile of, like, dark robots that are crawling all over her, and the, her friends are like, she's being hacked, and they have to pull her out. And when they pull her out, he goes, she goes, I know where he is. And it is harrowing, right, Dan? This is one of these things in movies that, like, bothers me. Because I know that movies need to have some sort of visual language to do this stuff, like because just, otherwise they're just radio. Otherwise, it's well. And, you know, we <laughs> yes. thought we thought we were teaching radio, but it turns out radio was teaching us. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and what he was no, teaching but, us was how not to continue an Academy Award winning career. Yeah, uh, Snow Dogs. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know we can't just have like a bunch of ones and zeros uh, on the screen, like we're like flying through the Matrix or something. So I mean, we could vision. always you can always cite other financially unsuccessful movie, uh, "Girl with a Dragon Tattoo," the um, the English language version, uh, where most of it is just characters looking at a computer with ominous music playing in the background. Yeah, or they could, could do, do it do like that. that, like that at CSI and CS, CSI clip that I love so much, where the two people are both using a keyboard at the same time to fight off a hacker. Yeah, but instead they visualize it by like a bunch of like, uh, like goopy black hands like clawing at Scarlett Johansson and like pulling her down into into their mire, you know, and that's what being hacked is supposed to be like. It reminds me of, is it in Disclosure where Michael Douglas has to go in and open a digital filing cabinet? Yeah, he like walks file? down a hall, to, <laughs> <laughs> he just opens a filing That's what virtual reality is. I mean, I mean Hugh, <clears throat> Hugh Jackman does the same shit in what? Swordfish. Swordfish, Swordfish yeah. But he does it with such elan. Mm-hmm. With such uh, with such savoir faire. <laughs> okay, can you think of another cinnamon? Yeah, cinnamon? yeah. I, I can think of lots of cinnamons: cinnamon buns, <laughs> cinnamon cookies. Uh, it's only two. Stallion of the cinnamon. <laughs> cinnamon, edible stallion of the cinnamon. <laughs> so Dan, was that so? Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron was that a movie that actually existed, or was it just an ad campaign? <laughs> I don't know. Because I don't know anyone who it was saw just, it. I think it was just a Burger King toy. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like they were like, "Can we make a successful kids movie without the actual movie? Let's try it out." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, I like uh it's like they made uh they they made a character out of cinnamon. Like Grimace <laughs> is a character out of what is he? A blob, a shake, what is he? Uh I what's, used to what's know Grimace, what he was. Guys? A chicken no, like, I used to know what he was, but I forgot what it was. Somebody no, they say that he's this. a drop of shake. I think that that's <clears throat> I think they're retconning it. I think they're just like, uh yeah, Grimace is a big uh, shake drop. Like cuz he I mean, I know that he used to be a villain and that was why he was called Grimace and then they he the design was so appealing. They're just like, let's make it one of the good guys. Yeah. Oh, kind of like uh, Walton Goggins' character in Justified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very similar. I mean, they uh, or Venom, America's favorite villain turned hero. Right. He's a hero now. Uh. Yeah. Well, he's I a lethal he's, protector, Dan. Well, he hasn't okay. been the lethal protector in like twenty years. I think he's back to being a villain again, but I'm not sure. He certainly didn't go from hero to zero. Okay. Uh, Thank you. But, yeah, Grimace is something that, here's my theory about it, and I have a big theory. Grimace is Ronald McDonald's liver. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) They had to remove it because it was diseased because of all the fatty foods that Ronald McDonald was eating. And they were like, Mm. Ronald, you can either work out or we're going to have to remove your liver. 
because it's become engorged and purple, and it has a face now and a kind of an Eeyore-type voice. And he was, like, horrified. He was like, ah, get it out of me. And Ronald took a scalpel and was trying to cut it out of his own belly, and they had to restrain mm-hmm. him and sedate him. Uh, and his doctor is that bird that's also a pilot. And Birdie. Birdie. Wait, what's his name? Birdie? Yeah, yeah that's all. The imaginatively named Birdie. <laughs> I love they, they used up so much imagination juice on Grimace, they didn't have anything left. So they're like, <laughs> the bird, birds fly, make her a pilot. Uh, what's a good name for a bird? Birdie. I'm so tired from Grimace. Okay, these, with- <laughs> these guys, uh, these French fries, what do we call them? I don't know, the fry guys? <laughs> yeah. It's like they spent four months developing the Hamburglar and Grimace, and they were like, guys, our presentation's in 15 minutes, and we were supposed to come up with four characters. We only have two. Uh, it's a bird named Birdie. Uh, some guys made out of fries. We'll call them fry guys. And that's why uh, Mayor McCheese has a police officer that looks just like him, too. Oh, yeah. I thought they were related. Oh, yeah, it's his dumb nephew that he got a job on the force. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was a sign <laughs> of corruption. <laughs> you know, they're like, uh, that, is, that Inspector McCheese killed another fry guy in the line of duty. We kick him off the force, but his, his uncle's the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so that's, that's my theory about Grimace. Like he's, a, he's Ronald's It's like liver. a Michael Mann film version of uh, McDonald Land. Or a Michael McDonald film? Uh, no, <laughs> not like that. <laughs> oh, okay. What about a Michael Mann Donald? All right. You're, I'm, I'm interested. Are we okay. talking about Ghost in the Shell? <laughs> yeah, all right, Ghost in the Shell. Anyway, they go to some kind of Yakuza club. Everyone's all tattooed up and cyborg because they find out that's where the bad guy is uh, trans, uh, transmitting from, where he hacked into the other's from. And uh, Major gets captured by a creepy pervert who starts hitting her with an electro prod. Uh, while Batu is talking to the shirtless cyber bartender with a robo arm. And Stuart, I wanted <laughs> to talk a, to <laughs> That's a health code violation. <laughs> yes. I wanted to talk to you as the owner of a bar. Would you accept a shirtless bartender with a robot arm? Yeah. <laughs> that guy looks awesome. Did you see how unhappy he was to serve him a beer? <laughs> he looked so incredibly displeased with his job. And oh, he, he did that movie thing too, where he came in and just said beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like, I should ask this guy for ID, but he's got two human eyes, so he's probably okay. <laughs> he's cool. <laughs> and uh, Major is being And he attacked. doesn't need to carry a speed opener because he can just pop off the uh, the top with his, his robot hand. Well, do you think they were trying to go for like a Danny Trejo in From Dust Till Dawn type vibe with this bartender? So I was looking at a little bit of a thing called IMDb trivia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And somebody postulated that it's a uh, that that was a reference to the robotic armed bartender in William Gibson's Neuromancer novel, which this person suggests was a large influence on cyberpunk. <laughs> like, uh, no shit, dude. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of what I was doing was reading trivia for this and uh, me just saying, oh, shit, dude, to my phone while I was reading it. Uh. Why? Because your phone was was getting you mad? Yeah, because my phone was giving me information that I'm like, uh, this is super obvious. I'm a <laughs> hardcore console cowboy. <laughs> you're Big a real, fan of cyberpunks. You're a real snow crash. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Now you just look like a noob. Wait, <laughs> do they say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> did you? Or did you just read you, it? You could be elite, but you're a noob. Wow, we are showing we are really our age. Out of date. <laughs>
Hey guys, I guess I'll go on the Prodigy message board later <laughs> to talk about this new King's Quest game. <laughs> okay, so uh, so Major is under attack by these creepy guys who are really chewing the scenery. They are so sweaty and pervy and gross, and they're like, like they're basically human salacious crumbs. But <laughs> yep. she, she doesn't take that for long. She beats them all up. Meanwhile. Bato has a shootout in the nightclub, and the bad guys have, like, cyber Uzis. They're shooting him mm-hmm. at point-blank range, and they still miss him. It makes yeah. no sense. I love the idea that they, they're covered in, like, metal bits, which I'm assuming are meant to be, like, upgrades to make them better than humans. But they are way worse than humans. It, they have these, like, <laughs> robot eyes and mouths, and it's almost like uh, – it's, it's supposed to look like cyber upgrades, but they function like – when someone in World War One would get half his face blown off and they just make a ceramic face to go over it, and it would be like, all right, now I have – instead of just having bandages there, I have a weird, unmoving, unworking face <laughs> that goes over my real face and I have to take it off to eat anyway. So thanks, prosthetic technology of World War One. Yeah. Dan, you, do you have a hot take on prosthetic technology of World War One? Uh, it was probably pretty good for the time. <laughs> All right, fair, fair point. You know what? I feel okay, bad now. Yeah, counterpoint. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't be a hater. Uh, so they yeah. they uh chase this dude. Turns out, wait, do, don't they chase him and then he like dissolves into a bunch of code or something? Yeah, he like teleports oh, yeah. away, uh, and he still looks like a shambling mass of rags. He teleports mm-hmm. away. They've walked into a trap. A bomb goes off. Major has to be repaired. And uh, guess what happens to Bato's human-like normal eyes uh nothing right uh, there was his best feature i'm sorry Stuart. uh they get but, blown- I, but I got him these special contacts to wear <laughs> um, i sold my watch bob to give him these contacts and he sold his eyes to buy you a watch oh no but uh he he needs to get robo eyes and he's like so for the rest of the movie he looks like he's wearing tiny binoculars implanted in his face <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're, you're like, just put some sunglasses on over those, dude. I feel like in a world where they can make Scarlett Johansson, they should be able to make better robo eyes than the ones that they have on this guy. Well, I mean, she does suggest like, hey, you pick those weird ones. And he's like, yeah, they're practical. But you're right. He should put sunglasses over them. <laughs> but it's like they, they I feel like he got just like the budget version. They were like, this yeah. is what your insurance will pay for. It's essentially two tiny metal tubes stuck in your face. <laughs> and it functions like when you're looking down a paper towel tube and pretending it's a telescope. <laughs> yeah. That's and what they your make a lo- cover. They make a lot of noise when they, when they focus They're on like, things. <laughs> like- <laughs> and uh, here's – but if you paid for a little more, you could get eyes that at least look like big, goofy cartoon eyes. Like they still have pupils and everything. And he's like, oh. I'm not – no, let's let the insurance cover it. Well, I'll get the about- tubes. But I have two big googly eyes, just like craft style googly <laughs> How eyes. How much mm-hmm. is it gonna cost, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved like, it. I, I wanna I wanna howl at women on the street. Can I have my eyeballs bug out of my head anytime <laughs> I see somebody? Yeah, sure, if you want to pay the deductible. Of course you can. <laughs> the, uh, I, I, I wish that he had gone for big googly eyes like the like Godzilla in Shin Godzilla, where uh his eyes are just always wide open and kind of cartoony. That would have been it would have made every scene hilarious and then it would have gotten creepy. <laughs> he always has these like Judge Doom googly eyes on his face. Oh man, that would have been so much better. Anyway. Uh, Major is like, Doc, I've got more glitches. And the doctor says, yeah, you do, but you're the future of humanity. Soon we're all going to be cyber 
cyber people and cyborgs. And it's as if to prove that true that Bateau shows up with his Luke Skywalker binocular eyes implanted in his face. Um, Major then does what we would all do after a, a, a terrifying brush with death like that. She takes home a prostitute and touches her face for a while. Mm-hmm. And then the shrouded bad guy shows up at the robo-morgue, kills the technician who had much more realistic robo-eyes because they slide regularized the slide <laughs> off her face. I mean, they were realistic until they slid off her face. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it turns- Wait, so your eyes aren't supposed to do that? That's got to go to the doctor. Oh, boy. Yeah, Dan, I had to, I want to talk to you about how your eyes are always sliding off your face. Like, like two, like two eggs. eggs. <laughs> Here's a question I have for you. Eggs don't usually slide off of plates, right? So why was that the first thing we both thought of? Cartoons. I guess, yeah, cartoons is the, is the reason for a lot of things. It's the, the only reason that as a kid I knew what an anvil was. Yeah. I did not well, get your, your, your dad wasn't a blacksmith and my dad was not a blacksmith, uh, although he was a fan of the Smiths. Oh, okay. Actually, that's not well, true. That's a, good, that's a good, that's my a good dad segue. Was, my, my dad was a fan of in descending order. One, the Beatles two Bruce Springsteen, three, Billy Joel four queen and five, okay. five, the song final countdown by Europe. But just that one song. That sounds like a dad to me. Yep, that was my dad. It's really funny because we have to listen to the radio a lot these days because we drive around in an automobile. And yeah. for some reason, California radio, it's going to be divided into three type, four types of radio. Mm-hmm. Spe- oh, boy, we're going to get some hot takes on the difference between California and New York. Okay, Spanish language Mexican radio, which I love. I love okay. the music on it, and it's great. Uh, hip-hop radio, which is not really my thing. So- stations that only play Hotel California over and over again. Uh-huh. And stations that play a lot of Billy Joel and Bruce Springsteen. And I feel like those stations are just for people like me who grew up in the East Coast and live in California now. Because every time when a Billy Joel or Bruce Springsteen song comes on, I turn to Sam and I'm like, this is the music daddy grew up with. And it's not <laughs> it's not even music I love that much. But it's just like such a – it's like this is the music I know as a kid. Sammy, I don't want you to lose sight of your East Coast roots. The same way every time we've had pizza out here, I'm like, Sammy, you going to fold your slice? And he's like, no. And it's like a little piece of my soul crumbles away <laughs> that my yeah. son is going to grow up. He says no, and then slice. he pulls out some tiny little uh, like uh, utensils, like the Skeksis and Dark Crystal, <laughs> and carefully those, eats them. Those little finger forks that he can use to just <laughs> yeah. stab things. No, what he does is he, he takes out a little briefcase, opens it. It's just sliced avocado in there, puts the avocado on the pizza. <laughs> no. And that's why. Oh, I say, man. And you're that's like, his college fund. That's what I say the mourner's cottage because I have no son. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at the robo morgue, the uh, major finds out. Oh, this is what the technician discovered that made the bad guy kill her. It's a list of people who worked on a secret project for the Hanker Robot Corporation, including my French doctor Julia <clears throat> Binoche. So wait a minute the 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 Frankenstein robot man who goes to kill uh, kill the doctor with the slide off eyes. That doctor is looking at a like a Nintendo cartridge that is telling her all the information about who the guy is trying to kill. And when the guy shows up, she just yanks the Nintendo cartridge out of the computer and he kills her and he lets her hold onto the, the cartridge. Apparently is that, is that, is that intentional? Like, is he trying to lead? Do you think he's trying to lead the major to him or was he just like, eh, I wasn't really paying that much attention. <laughs> I think it's like, It could go either way. I think he is trying to lead Major to him because he has his reasons for wanting to talk to Major. But it's also one of those things where it's like, 
if you really wanted to talk to Major that badly about this, you know where to find her. She's trying to find you. Why do you run away every time she tries to find you? Every and why time, did you lead her into a bomb? Yeah, why did you try to kill her? If he, Every time he sees her, he says, Hank, uh, like, if you work with Hanko Robotics, you'll be destroyed, and then disappears. It seems like in that moment, he could more easily say, hey, I'm doing this for a reason. Let me explain it to you. The same way that yeah. ghosts in movies, instead of like making blood flow out of walls and making guys peel their own faces off and eat them, instead they can be like, hey, look, this house was built on my grave. I'd appreciate it if you either moved the body or this would be my real preference because, again, this is sacred ground for me. Move the house because yeah. I'm a ghost, and there's a lot of ghosts here. Let me start at the beginning. Ghosts are real and also Native American tribal mythology also the true religion, since that's me and I'm a ghost and I'm coming for you. So I guess there's a couple things I need you to deal with. My immediate problem is this house is in my grave. I want you to move that. But number two, I'm giving you proof that Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, all those religions, not the true faith. This was the true faith, as you can tell by the fact that I have spiritual power from beyond the grave. How yeah, many now, Christ- like how many Christian ghosts have come back to you and complained about houses on their graves? Zero? Well, maybe <clears throat> let's take this as evidence, okay? But setting that aside, before you spread the word of this true gospel to the world so that we can all live in harmony, can you move your house, please, off my grave? Because it's right on my toe, and it really hurts. And that's why I'm so <laughs> mad as a ghost. Ooh, I'm so mad. Otherwise, you know what? Why does it bother me if there's a house on my grave? It's, it's I, nice. I, I get to interact. I, when you're watching TV— I get to watch the TV. I even get to go in the TV because I'm a poltergeist. That literally means like a house ghost. And so if anything, you're helping me achieve what I can because if I can believe it, I can achieve it. Now you believe in me. I appreciate that as both a ghost and as someone who, to be honest, my history has been mostly forgotten by mainstream America and my sacrifices, many of them against my will, for your better life have not been recognized. So again, I really appreciate that you're listening to me now as a ghost. Maybe it took me doing a lot of crazy stuff about your house, but I think now we can open a dialogue, really get this going. But the main things, again, number two, (laughs) number one, Mm -hmm. please move your house or at least move it off my toe. Uh, You guys are saying? Now, I I hear what you're saying, uh, but I already paid for this exorcist to come. (laughs) Oh, boy. So... Is it Zelda Rubenstein? (laughs) Yes. Okay, we've worked with her before on a lot of other a lot of other places. We can do Don't that. Don't worry, she's just going to make it seem like the house is clean and then leave, and then for some reason it's not clean. It uh, won't be really explained. It's a scam that Zelda and I have been running for for, for a while. Now. Oh, you're very upfront about this information. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm a ghost, so I'm all about honesty and transparency. That <laughs> little ghost joke for you there, transparency because you can see through me. Speaking of which. Amazon Prime's Transparent. Have you seen this show? (laughs) They call it a comedy, but there's no jokes in it. It's really just a half-hour drama. I know this because I watch you watching TV. I went into that show, and I said to everybody, where are the laughs? Where are the yucks? You know, I may be a murdered Native American ghost, but even I need to laugh every now and then. And Judith Light, she was so great in Who's the Boss? She was on that show, and she's like, hey, let's talk about it. Let's open a dialogue about this after we deal with gender issues. And I'm like, that's cool. Intersectionality. I can be an ally. Anyway, Guys, it's been great talking. I should really get back to my grave. I'll be back in a little bit later to make some crazy things happen in your house. See ya. <laughs> oh, wow. Like the uh, sign off. Uh, <laughs> so uh, get, getting back to so, ghosts in so a I shell, think, like a I, ghost that lives inside a house. I think because uh, isn't a house just a shell for ourselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And isn't a shell just a house for a little crab, a hermit crab, if you will? Try the hermit crab burger. <laughs> uh, it's with surf sauce. Why? 
Now they call it a hermit crab when hermits aren't necessarily known for living in things like li- living in. They live in solitude. Okay. Or because they'll uh, a hermit will climb into your house and then drag it away on his on his butt. <laughs> what if that was the case? That'd be terrifying. <laughs> These super strong hermits, because their little butts expand to the size of your house and then they walk away. See, <laughs> if you give them a bigger house, their butts get bigger. It's fucking science, guys. So you're saying Herman's hermits would be like. A ring of house thieves that Herman was running, like a like a sign of mod British Fagan. Mm-hmm. And Herman's head, if you will, is like a house <laughs> for your body. It's like a house for four people who each have a pretty crazy personality. One of them's just a slobby party dude. Anyway, uh, she learns yep. this just in time for the bad guy to take over the minds of two super enhanced garbage men. Give him Uzis and try to kill <laughs> Juliet Binoche. Major gets there. There's a shootout, a chase. Invisible Major does a kung fu fight and beats him up. But Bateau stops her from killing the shooter. She's so mad. They take the shooter to a glass room. It's a classic. The bad guy's been captured now, we think. But the shooter has – he's had his memory re- erased and replaced with a false one about having a child. There's a brief talk of philosophy about memory versus reality. And Bateau's like, if you remember it. Doesn't that make it true? What's the difference? I don't know. And it's like, Bato, don't be an asshole. That's not the same thing. Come on now. The bad guy appears in the body of the shooter, says some cryptic stuff. They trace the signal to some kind of bionic crime dorm where there's a lot of cyber criminals just kind of hanging out, maxing, relaxing, cool and all, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. But mm-hmm. then a couple of guys, Major and Bateau, show, show up so, looking for no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, keep it going. Started making trouble with the neighborhood. They got in one little fight. And uh-huh. uh, and Majors discovers a place where there's a bunch of human beings hooked up to wires to create Kuze's own neural network. They learn his name is Kuze, too. Uh, we go to Kuze's lair, which is one of those bad guy science fiction lairs where there's a lot of machines and wires, but the floor is always wet and the roof is always leaking. <laughs> and it's like, how well, does anything work in that room? Dan, explain. Uh, he got a really good deal on it. You know, like there's, it's got an open, it's got the openest plan you can imagine. That's what, that's how the broker uh, put it. <laughs> like, look, this, this could not be more open plan because it's just a cavern. It's just a cavern. Hot and cold running leaks. Yeah. So you have that. So if you ever want to take a shower, just stand anywhere in the room because water's leaking down all over your wiring and your machines. It's like in uh, the Matrix, how they were like, we're existing in this reality where we can control things too. Anyway. Let's put on full-length leather trench coats and sunglasses and meet in the sewers. <laughs> Let's yeah. ruin our coats and we'll bump into walls because we can't see anything because we got sunglasses on in the dark. The the realtor was explaining it to Kuze and was like, yeah, it's sun-drenched. And Kuze's like, <coughs> but wait, there's just a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> That's a skylight. Oh, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. And he's like talking to his friend and he's like, so my... Like, am I a rube because I think this is a scam or is it really a scam? Like, am I going to insult like, her if I think it's a scam? <laughs> and they're like, does your memory think it's a scam? Because aren't memories uh, kind of real depending on who you are? And he's like, but I want to be judged by my deeds, not by my memories. Yeah. Uh, wait, I can't keep this going. My that's brain that's doesn't work this way. And those are the only two ideas in the movie. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys saw. I did a little bit of impression of Kuze there. Which Michael Pitt, I think, created uh, like one one part general grievous and one part, I don't know, like uh, sad, 
emo boy. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's like a wannabe James Dean combined with General Grievous, but he has a like a kind of Jared Leto face. But uh, so Kuzey Cap. Yeah, I was going to say it's a lot of the what's his name from uh, J- Jared Leto from My So Called Life. Uh, Jordan, Jordan Catalano. Yeah, where he just like looks at the looks at the looks at the sky a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stuffs yeah. his hands in his pockets. Because <laughs> that's what makes him hot is that he's unhappy. Uh, he seems like he's got a lot of depth until you start talking to him. And then you're like, oh, you're, like, oh, you're illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, he's just always yearning to get back to the Catalan coast where he's from. Because of his it. name, Catalano. Yeah, anyway, Kuze captures the major. Turns out he's a man bot, too. But he's not as well made as her. He's like uh, he's like the Tin Man in the old Wizard of Oz novels, halfway between becoming a, uh, the woodchopper and the Tin Man, where he's got lots of metal pieces all over him. He does not look great. He, they have the old, we're not so different, you and I speech. And she says, he's like killed- that. He's like that other golem in that Hellboy story about uh, the, two, the two golems. Oh, I was just thinking about that yesterday, too. Almost Human? No. That's not, something no, like uh, that. No, it's called uh, Becoming Colossus? Something like that. Yeah, no, almost, maybe. Almost Colossus is what it's called. Yep. <laughs> I got there. But yeah, it's like the one golem and the, be- the, the developed golem and the not developed golem. Uh, Where their plan is to combine to make one giant golem. Yeah. And he ends up melting at the end, right? Yep. Yeah. Because of the flame of Prometheus. It's pretty he, simple stuff. Here's the problem with what we've been saying. They're not really golems. They're homunculi. Ooh. <sighs> but I guess a homunculus is basically just a non-Jewish golem. It's like an assimilated golem. Like, I have nothing to add and, to this conversation. And when the homunculi's parents uh, come back, they're like, you never go to synagogue? No? <laughs> <laughs> Bacon in your house? And he's like, ah, I'm, I want to be a homunculi like everybody else. I'm, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a golem anymore. Anyway, and there's a we can write, write a hundred-year-old play about it in Yiddish. But uh, so Kuze says, we're not so different, you and I. She says, I don't kill innocent people. And he goes, who's really innocent? So they've got those two cliches right out of there off the bat. He, reve- he reveals she wasn't the first cerebral salvage job. He was one, too, and he paved the way for her creation. But he was a failure, and they threw him away, and he's killing everyone who created him. Uh, but he does see himself as man's replacement. He and Major are the future of technology. But uh, he's kind of, again, like we said, he's kind of junky. He has that Max Headroom speech glitch where every now and then he'll just be like, G-goo. he'll be like, no, we don't have to go, 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 go over there. And it's like, mm, I don't know if that digital technology would really glitch like that. Like, uh, maybe. Maybe he's buffering. Do you think that's what it is? <laughs> like, he's always buffering. Uh, and they're both haunted by the same memory. She's been using medicine up till now to suppress her glitches, and he says, no, no, don't take it. That suppresses your memory. Uh, and he uses the word ghost and shell a bunch. You're a ghost in a shell. They can't mm-hmm. take away your ghost, even though they made your shell. And then Kuze runs off. Uh, Major goes to her French doctor, and the French doctor just breaks down instantly and admits there were 98 previous attempts before Major and says that they gave her fake memories. She wasn't really a refugee that was killed by terrorists. And now – and she gives her what, like a hotel key or something, an apartment key to ke- yeah. tell her the future. You know, this is where your real past is. Yeah. Uh, and many – like I mentioned earlier, a lot of scenes of people telling Scarlett Johansson that she's – Beautiful. Oh, you're beautiful. You're beautiful. As if she's just an object. The movie treats her this way. The other thing that the movie doesn't really get that it's commenting on itself, I think, is that both Kuze and Scarlett Johansson, when they learn their true identities, they both have Japanese names. They both were clearly Japanese, but were put into white bodies. 
by the scientists? Yeah, well, that was the big whitewashing scandal. It wasn't necessarily like the fact that they just the fact that they recast with a white actress. It was like, oh, in the end, you know, like it turns out that this white person would used to be a Japanese person within like the world of the movie. And like the idea of like beauty standards, like apparently Japanese people are deemed less, you know, like they don't want to make them into like this perfect robot. Like that was one concern that people had. But just it feels like the movie is doing it. The mo- the characters in the movie are doing what the movie is doing. And I yeah. don't know if the movie is smart enough that that's a comment on itself, that it's like, oh, just like we had to cast white actors I mean, to to for a bigger box office, they took these Jap- to play Japanese characters. They took these Japanese brains and put them in white bodies. I can't tell if the movie is slyly like digging at itself or if it's just oblivious and is like, oh, what? Oh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's a perfect uh, imitation of the movie. <laughs> uh, speak, go, ghost in the shell. Oh, hold on. Whoa, all these plates. I can't carry them all at once. <laughs> Smash, crash, boot, bash. You're fired from my restaurant, ghost in the shell. Give me another chance, Mr. Wilkins. <laughs> oh, those are my favorite one reelers from the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, ghost in the shell in uh, in the food fiasco. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's it's pretty like and now in the I, I can't remember in the in the original story. Was it a brain in a robot body or was it a robot brain with like. Like, was there an idea? Was she like totally a robot? Because, I mean, the idea, because I remember it having something like the idea of Ghost in the Shell is the idea of like a robot having, like, can a robot or an AI have a soul? Yes. But she's not a robot. She's got a fucking brain, dude. That's, she's basically a human. Well, that's the thing. They keep saying, like, she's like, what am I? Am I a person? I'm 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 just a weapon. And they're like, well, you do have a human brain. Like, that's. Yeah. Let's see. I'm taking a look. Da, 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 da. Let's look at the. I'm looking on Wikipedia about the original. All right. Setting. So in the meantime, so let's vamp a little Stuart bit, Dan. So uh, I got a new cat recently. Yeah. Meatball Wellington. He's adorable. <laughs> How's uh, Muscles treating him? Well, Muscles is not. Uh, well, Muscles was behaving very poorly before we got Meatball. Uh-huh. He was. Uh, he was just really like anxious and he was meowing a lot and he was jumping all over us all the time and we play with him but it didn't seem to help but since we've gotten meatball uh he's behaving a lot better he's not totally sure what to make a meatball and meatball doesn't clean himself as well as oh, muscles no. would like so muscles has to get down for some aggressive grooming oh that's sweet uh it's kind of sweet i'm sure it's also like a bullying tactic <laughs> where he's like <laughs> i'm gonna show you how to clean your own butt yeah yeah. Like bullies do. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Like, is that what I would do to bully someone? Just hold them you've down. Never, yeah, you've, you've never been bullied in uh, in elementary school, right? Where you got held down and they people got, cleaned yeah. your butt properly. <laughs> okay, guys. I think I figured it out. Okay. I think she's just a robot. Okay. In the, in the original? Yeah. Although I don't know. Let's see. Uh... This is good audio. Yeah. So, uh, Dan, did you ever read the Ghost in the Shell comic book? Oh, I see. So here's the thing. Not. Here's okay. the thing. In the so she, uh, I think she does. She is a brain in a body, but she's not sure if she's actually a human brain or if she's just a full on robot. Okay. And that's and that's the thing. The riddle that bedevils her existence. I'm sorry it took me so long to reread that stuff. 
uh, I reread the entire comic book and then watched the movie again while you were doing that. Uh, okay. But here, it's pretty clear it's a human brain. They keep telling her, you're a human, you got a human brain. It's, yeah. It's, there's not this, and uh, the bad guy in the movie, I think, is a, also a fully cybernetic thing that I'm not yeah. sure. In the, in the original yeah, one. Yeah, anyway. it was like an AI weapon that was developed by this, like, developed concurrently by the same people or something, I yes. think. Uh, anyway, let's get back to this movie. Uh, Major has gone swimming in the harbor with glowy jellyfish because she says it's the only place she can escape the data feed and feel real. Uh, but then, uh-oh, Hanko Security Sometimes you just got to unplug, Elliot. Yeah, mm-hmm. and how do, you unplug? how do you unplug and go off the grid when you are the grid and you're made out of plugs? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's Very like hard a- to do. Bill K. Dick title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and what would that title be? No, how do you unplug and go off the grid when you are the grid and made out of plugs? Oh, that, yeah, that's <laughs> the title. It's a pretty long title. <laughs> that's true, he did, yeah. Like that one, uh, everything you always wanted to know about crazy alternate realities but were afraid to ask. Yeah. Asterix. Uh, An by obelisk? Philip K. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> Asterix, uh, the adventurous journey of Philip Gay Morrigan or something like that. Because he liked uh, he liked putting just people's random character names into into titles yeah. too. There's that one from the mixed up files of Mr. Philip K. Dickerson. <laughs> About those two kids who get lost inside of their own perceptions of reality. Yeah. And of course, Mr. Philip K. Dick and the Rats of Nim. <laughs> That's where a bunch of rats were fed space drugs. Yeah. Game super smart robots. <laughs> Uh, so Major gets captured by Hanko Security. This is one of those movies where there's a corporation that essentially functions as the state. Uh, there is a government because Takeshi Kitano keeps talking about how he works for the prime minister. But the head of Hanko, whose name is Cutter, so you know he's uh-huh. a bad guy, he just like has his own private army of masked guys that he sends on missions to fight people, but no one puts two and two together. Uh, they capture Major. Hanko tells the doctor – Juliet Binoche to terminate Major, but the doctor says, no, I won't do it. Instead, the doctor frees Major. That's when she gives her, she gives her some kind of thing and says, here, here, here's your real past. Major escapes, lots of hallway fighting. She drags a guy on a motorcycle, and then the cutter kills the doctor, but tells Takeshi Katano that Major did it, and that Major has become corrupted and a terrorist. Meanwhile, Major's not doing terrorist stuff. She goes to an apartment building, because what Juliet Binoche gave her was like a, either a key or a disc, something with a with a room number on it. One of those Nintendo cartridges. Yes, yeah. She finds a cat who likes her and an older lady who says that her daughter, the older lady with almost no, uh, nothing to trigger it, just suddenly starts talking about her life and how she had a daughter yeah. who ran away and died. <laughs> well, it's not only a, that, but she like also just like invites Scarlett Johansson in, like this total stranger. She's a huge star, dude. I mean, yeah, I know that on. the older woman is lonely since her daughter went away but yeah so she's like preparing info dump yeah (laughs) (laughs) it does feel like the movie should have a countdown clock that's like exposition dump in three two one and then the old lady starts going oh my runaway daughter she was always writing her anti-technology manifestos and then she joined a squatters enclave and then she died the police said she killed herself but I don't know. That doesn't sound like her. Hey, I think it's more likely she turned into a robot. Speaking of which, Scarlett Johansson, you remind me a lot of my daughter. It's the way that you look at me, which is like, so did your daughter always look at you with a vague sense of confusion? Like, why is this old lady (laughs) talking to me? Because that's the look on Scarlett Johansson's face. Uh, Major reveals everything to her boss who believes her. 
But Cutter is eavesdropping on the conversation. Uh-oh. Masked Hanko thugs go to assassinate Takeshi Kitano. But come on. A uh, big mistake, dude. Big mistake. He's a badass. <laughs> who has, Even though they have Uzis, he has a six-shot revolver. And like, a briefcase. And a briefcase that he uses as a shield. And his hair probably repels bullets, too. They just bounce <laughs> off of that cloth. Oh, man, uh, he's awesome. So he kills the thugs. Hanko's men are trying to kill off the the Major's team all over the place, but they can't do it because Major's team is so good. Major goes back online to talk to Kuze, uh, and he she lead, he leads her into the lawless zone. Uh-oh. And Cutter sends in something called a spider tank, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's a tank with spider legs. It is not mm-hmm. uh, a tank not full a, of spiders. <laughs> it's not like a fish tank filled with spiders. Yeah. <laughs> and he says, they'll think this is cool. <laughs> I'll trick them into thinking it, they're at an arboretum. And it shoots spiders out of its tank thing? What do you nope. call that? It's nope. a cannon. cannon. It's, it's basically just the grim, gritty reboot of that tank that Kenneth Branagh has in Wild Wild West, which was like yeah. that big spider erector set that he, would, that he was piloting. But yeah. Scarlett Johansson in the lawless zone, she remembers in a flashback that she and Kuze were both these runaways. They were super close, like brother and sister, in this squat. And the police came in and stole them to use them in experiments. Or not the police. I guess it was the Hanko people. To use uh-huh. them in these experiments to make brain bots. Uh, Kuze's name was Hideo, and Major was Motoko. And you're like, uh, yeah, again, this is uh, it's weird that they were <clears throat> turned into non-Japanese people. I mean – the, you mentioned it before, but like the idea that they could be trying to make a comment on the idea of taking these Japanese characters and putting them in like white robot bodies, basically. Uh-huh. Like they could be making some kind of comment on it, but wasn't there a controversy where like the visual effects team were trying to. Oh, yeah. Like make like, Scarlett Johansson look more Asian. Yeah, make the characters look more Asian. <laughs> I mean, she definitely, the way, her makeup and hair, it does feel like they're trying to. And it might just be that they're trying to copy the design of the character. From the, I mean, from the anime. which would make sense. I mean, so much. There's a lot of like shot for shot stuff in this. Yeah, but it it does feel like they tried to make her look a little more Asian. Like, mm, we'll uh, we'll just fudge it a little bit. We're not going to go full Catherine Hepburn in Dragon Seed. Not going to go Cloud Atlas with the the horror of Hugh Jackman in Yellow Fi- or uh, not. What's his name? Uh, Hugh Grant. Oh, come on, no, the other one. Uh, uh, man, Hugh Laurie. <laughs> no wait, the other guy. <laughs> Peter Laurie. <laughs> oh man, my brain's slowly firing up. Lawrence O'Donnell. <laughs> I'm glitching, guys. Uh, 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 no, Elrond, Elrond, uh Matrix Man. What's his name? Hugo oh. Weaving. Hugo Weaving in yellow no, face. It's no, crazy. Stuart. No, Stuart. Hugo Weaving. <laughs> 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 oh man, I can't wait to meet him someday so I can make that joke to his face. <laughs> Nice to meet you, Hugo Weaving. No, you go weaving. Uh, that's a little funny one. Elliot Kalen, nice to meet you. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to work so, with you. So anyway, I wanted to cast you in this movie. Not interested. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Not interested, Makes Mr. Sense. Kalen. <laughs> you know, after what I said, I, I don't want to work with me either. Uh, Kuze says, gives her the old, join me, together we'll whatever, we'll usher in the next stage of Humana things. And then Cutter attacks with his spider tank. And just like in any of these movies, the head of the corporation is personally piloting this device from his house. When it seems like in a situation like that, you really want plausible deniability to say that like, oh, a rogue operator did it. It's kind of hard for that when you're literally controlling it yourself at your house. They should have gotten Hugh Jackman from Chappie to pilot it. He was super into piloting a giant robot. But he was the head of that company, too. I mean, just that division. 
That's true. Just the division. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver was the head of the company, right? Uh, uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, I would All I remember Sigourney is Weaver Jackman's head of a company. hockey player haircut. <laughs> yeah, and how he always had like a gun on his hip, even when he was just walking around the office. Yeah, and his ill uh, cut off shorts. I mean, those yeah, those lo- cut off shorts were like, ill. Yeah, that's <laughs> the kind of shorts grown up men wear, Dan. Oh, okay. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> High and tight. You, you want you like want. you want a three or four inch inseam. Okay. <laughs> it, you want so, you want it so long that it becomes an out seam at a certain point. <laughs> sure. Anyway, they get beat up real good by this spider tank. Kuze abandons his body, but Major says she's not ready to go yet. Uh, they do blow up the spider tank, though. She punches it so hard, so many times that it she breaks it open. Uh, her team saves her from snipers who have been sent in just in case the spider tank didn't do the job. It's like the, the head of the company is like, I'll take care of this myself. Send me the spider tank. Uh, but send in a couple of guys too, just in case the, uh, <laughs> sp- the spider tank plan doesn't work out. Like, uh, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to send in a bunch of missile strikes, but also maybe like, uh, can you send some mean dogs in afterwards just in case? Uh, but then Takeshi shows up, arrests Cutter, shoots him. And first yeah, yeah. he shoots him in self-defense, but Cutter's not dead. And then he calls Major and he says, do I have your consent to execute him? Because throughout the movie, they would ask Major for her consent to like go in and change her memories or do some data mining. And then at a certain point, they revealed, we never needed your consent. That was all fiction. But now, Takeshi Kitano asks her for a consent and she says, I consent. And he shoots him in cold blood. I thought that was actually genuinely kind of effective, the re- repetition of like, you know, do you have your consent? And then like the... I mean, it was like a clear reveal that like they didn't actually need her consent, but I felt like that was a way that they got at the themes of the movie a little more like cleverly. Yeah. I mean, up, and, up until the last part where she's like, do you consent to me totally killing this dude? Yeah. <laughs> but but before that, no, I totally agree with you. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Well, that that's one of those things where it's like they've set up a legal fiction for her benefit to continue fooling her and then they reveal it when they don't need it anymore, which is yeah. a smart thing to do. But then it just becomes like, I'm going to say this badass thing before I blow this guy away. And that's justice. (laughs) Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Because there is no law in Takeshi's town. The only law is Takeshi's gun. And that town is called Takeshi's castle. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a game show. Uh, uh, So she goes and visits Motoku's grave. Uh, and reunites with her mom, kind of. She tells her mom, you don't have to come here anymore, which is kind of, I don't think she ever really (laughs) explains to her, I'm your daughter's brain inside a robot body. Just to tell an old lady at her daughter's grave, you don't need to come here anymore. It's kind of of a rude thing to say. Uh, And we cut to everything's back to normal, big animated hologram advertisements everywhere, and Scarlett Johansson, back to what she does best, brooding over the city in a long trench coat over her naked robot body, she gives a monologue about how our memories don't define us, our actions do. That's the message. And then they say, your mission is go. She throws off her coat, jumps off the building for some invisible kung fu, and salutes the audience as if to say, hey, I appreciate you sitting through this. <laughs> <laughs> do you think the rooftops of future Hong Kong are just littered with uh, trench coats that have been discarded? Yeah, why does she bother with the coat if she's just going to take it off every time she goes into battle? Because It's part of the fucking illusion, dude. People are into the fantasy. Part of the illusion that she's cold? Like it's the, that she's not a robot? Yeah, it, she wants to remain inconspicuous when she's brooding perched on top of a roof. If she yeah. just had nothing, they'd guess, be like, what's that weird nippleless robot that looks like Scarlett Johansson yeah. doing up there? With the trench coat, they're just like, oh, there's just Scar Joe, cold on a roof. <laughs> All right. Sure. 
so we've gone way long. Uh, we should get to final judgments, whether this was a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked. Uh, what do you think, Stuart? <clears throat> uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this is a movie that I definitely, I think I'm leaning in between bad, bad, and movie I kind of liked. <laughs> Uh, cause there's things I like about it. Like that's an I interesting mean, divide. That's an interesting divide. Cause I don't think rare. it's a, I don't think it's a good, bad movie. Um, like it's not like, Oh, watch this dumb piece of shit and laugh about it. Um, but it's, and I, there's things about it that I like. Uh, I mean, part of it is that it's reminding me of a movie that I remembered enjoying watching back in the nineties. Um, but Gross point I like, and I feel like <laughs> despite the fact that there's, there's obviously a lot of uh, CGI and this is almost all digitally created there. It still feels kind of physical. Like it still feels a little gritty. And I like that they make a lot of effort to make every character have some kind of a touch or nuance. Like even if it's just like a little bit of metal in their face, uh, like I, I think all that stuff's pretty cool and it's just kind of bland. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of boring. But it it looks great. Yeah, I I I mean, I kind of liked this movie. I mean, but that's on the sliding scale of flophouse movies. I feel like probably the plot was kind of obvious and dull, and like at the end, you're kind of like, oh, is that all there is? Is that all there is to a movie? Yeah, and I mean, is there's that all there is. <laughs> Are you supposed to root Lay those for Michael on us? Are you supposed to root for Michael Pitt's character? Cause he's like just changing some fucking poor garbage truck driver's memories and getting him killed. Like yeah. that, that was sucks. Scene, that was a scene. I didn't quite understand where it was like, he's like, I have a daughter. You got to let me out of this prison cell. And they're like, he never had a daughter. They inserted fake memories into him. And it's like, why does to turn him into a super assassin for three minutes? Why was it necessary to give him a <laughs> fake memory of a fake daughter? Like, that seems like a weird move for Kuze. That's like, why why even bother to put that much imagination into it, Kuze? Yeah. But I agree with uh, Stuart that, like, I mean, I, there's a lot of CGI in it, but I like the look of the film. And I think it feel like it's stylish without being, like, flashy, too many cuts kind of uh, filmmaking. Uh, Michael Bay over-stylized over stuff. And though it's, like, flashy and colorful, I don't think it's overwhelming yeah uh i don't know what i like i'm saying all these things that make me sound like i didn't like it that much so it's weird that i said kind of liked it but uh i also don't know about scarlett johansson's performance like she's like so affectless and i know that she's supposed to be a robot but it's hard to be sort of charmed by her in any way because there's no personality there I mean, she can be good at playing a character that's like weird and alien, like she did in Under the Skin, where she's like a total mystery. Wait, but. she was an alien in that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know, but for some reason, I still kind of had a good time watching it. I, I maybe it's just this California sunshine, but I'm feeling much harsher on this than you guys are. Yeah, that I I didn't think it was a good bad movie. I didn't like. I want to laugh at it. I didn't really like it. It's like, it's not, it's a perfectly serviceable movie. I'm giving it a bad, bad more just because like 
there are much better versions. There's literally a better version of this movie in the cartoon version, but I feel like there are better versions of a movie set in the future about what what makes you real and what makes you human and like what makes you a robot and what makes you a person, what make, gives you a soul. And like to make a new version of that and to really make it something that I'm going to be like, yeah, that was good. The bar is so high and they just kind of, it was so serviceable that just kind of didn't clear it for me. The whole time yeah. I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie before and it's not giving me, for all the stuff they did with like practical effects and stuff, it didn't have the spark I was looking for where I'm like, oh, well, that's something I haven't seen before. So call me jaded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm going to say right. by default, bad, bad. Uh, I have a question, guys. They kept uh, they kept one of the visual things from the movie where the like secretary's hand breaks open and is a whole bunch of tiny little digits that they can like tap on a keyboard super fast with. Mm-hmm. If you can jack your head into the Internet, why would you have to do that with your hands? And <laughs> how much faster can you type? Yeah, I guess you could just I mean, at that point, you think text to speech would be so much better or just creating the or speech to text and like. Or just in thinking it into words in your head, like, yeah, why are you still typing? That that's just seems making those super finely calibrated little hand typer things seems much more complicated. Yeah, well, it's, there's a there's a there's a fun thing in a lot of movies. I feel like they do it in steampunk movies, and that's part of the joke. But also in future movies, where it's like it's not impressive looking to show how you would really solve this problem. So I'm gonna do it in a, like the same way that like. We can use the internet and phones and things like that with amazing power on very small devices, but they're like, that doesn't look cool, so I'm going to make this one enormous, and there'll be huge, thick cables lying everywhere, because it looks a lot better, even though that's not really how we would do it. Yeah. Are you sad and confused about world politics? Worried about the upcoming inevitable nuclear war? Or maybe a rat is living in your house? There's a rat living in my house. How do you get rid of a rat from a house? Why not immerse yourself in a completely fictional, imagined podcast for the beef and dairy industries? It works for me. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is the number one podcast for those involved, or just interested, in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. Don't worry, it's funnier than it sounds. Find us at beefanddairynetwork.com or maximumfun.org, or wherever you get your podcast from. Oh god, there's the rat! Oh god! Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. We have two sponsors for the program tonight. Two lovely businesses helping the Flophouse stay afloat. Uh, The first... The Flophouse is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper mattresses feature supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and just the right bounce. There's a risk-free and trial, trial and return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery to the U.S. and Canada and painless returns. Damn. All mattresses are made in America. Dan, yes. can you explain? You use a Casper mattress. Can you explain yeah. the sink and the bounce to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the sink is where you go to get your water. Uh-huh. Uh, when oh, you, boy. And the bounce is uh, the third part of the title, The Big Bounce. 
It's a movie that starred Owen Wilson that everyone forgot about. Wow, I'm surprised you didn't say about the movie Bounce with Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that movie so much that I didn't remember it. That's the way forgetting works. Did you know the interesting thing about the big bounce is that the second part of that title is the title of another movie called Big. (laughs) That is the interesting thing about the big bounce. Yeah. Uh, Here's an interesting thing, Dan. Uh, Tell us how much you like using your Casper mattress. Oh, yeah. No, I (laughs) – I that was what you were. That was what up I was for. trying to set up. I'll, I'll be clearer next up. time. I'll be clearer next time. I'll say, Dan, I, give us a product testimonial. I love the, my Casper mattress. I have slept on many a more expensive mattress, a traditional. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Whoa. Okay, Mister Movie Star. Uh, I slept on traditional spring mattresses. Uh, I've slept on foam mattresses that have been too hot because they don't circulate the air correctly. Uh, I mean, there's not like air permeating the fabric. No, no, I get it. Yeah. Uh, this mattress is a delight to sleep on and Flophouse listeners can get $50 towards any mattress purchased by visiting www.casper.com slash Flophouse and using promo code Flophouse, all one word at checkout terms and conditions apply. And how many times can you use that? Like, if you're trying to set up, like, a princess and the pea situation. <laughs> right, with a bunch of mattresses yeah. stacked on top of yeah. each other. Or a bunch uh, of peas stacked on top of one mattress. That I don't know. I don't if know you can feel the mattress time. under this pile of peas, then <laughs> truly you're a hobo. I just, I just can't sleep on these peas. There's something bothering me. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question, okay. Stuart. Uh, but also... Uh, support from the Flophouse comes from Bombfell, an online personal styling service for men. Bombfell is an easier way for men to get better clothes. You pay nothing when you sign up because there are no fees to work with them. You only pay for the clothes you keep. Bombfell is the only service that can make this claim. It's the most simple, straightforward service around. It's completely flexible. Push up, delay, or skip shipment shipments anytime. Uh, I got my first Bombfell uh, shipment. Uh, they were nice enough to send a sample along, and uh, I'm delighted with the clothes. Delighted, I would say. Mm-hmm. You, uh, Elliot, I know that you is it, it. Is it just a, a big box full of uh, Deadpool t-shirts? And- yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a t-shirt that says, uh, Farts Welcome, which is a weird <laughs> thing to say on a t-shirt. Farts Welcome? <laughs> Farts Welcome. Farts Welcome. Was yeah. that the original the original uh, USA what? Network slogan? <laughs> they changed it to Characters Welcome? It was really Farts Welcome? Dan. What's, yeah. the, uh, what's the font no, on that one? Beautiful, no, let's not say these lies about the... Yeah, Dan, let me talk for a moment, okay? For once okay. in your life, let me talk. Uh, so I've been a Bombfell user for years now. It's a service that I've been using for a long time. I knew I needed to put some pep in my get-ups, and I didn't know how to do that. And I've been very happy with the consistent kind of average of I get shipments and there's always one or two things that I want in them. The things I don't want, I just mail back. And the things that I do want, I keep. And like a number of great pairs of pants, a number of great shirts. It's made it easier for me to try changing my style up because I get somebody else's input. You get your individual style coordinator or whatever they're called who personally handpicks the clothes you get sent based on the type of thing you're asking for and how comfortable you are with trying new things. And they say, like, try this out. And I get it in the mail. I put it on. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this is not something, if I saw it in the store, I would ever think of buying. But it looks really good now that I've put it on. Yeah. And sometimes like, I get things. You didn't know you were a tank top guy. 
Exactly. Yeah, thank you. But it's literally like a tank, like the top of a tank. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'm like, this is too much for me. And I send it back, and it's totally fine. And the brands they have are good. The quality is all really good. Stuff that I've bought in stores has fallen apart much faster than the stuff they've sent me. So bomb fell, won't you? I'd recommend it. I use it a lot. Yeah, and uh, we've got a special offer. I made a mistake last time in my special offer. I said that uh, listeners got 25% off. That's incorrect. Incorrect. Sorry about that. Bombfell is offering our listeners $25 off your first purchase when you visit bombfell.com slash flophouse. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash flophouse. Hey, when you put on those clothes, you're going to look like a bomb fell on you. A fashion bomb. Uh, Thanks now, for clarifying. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise it would be terrible. <laughs> one of you I gave a Jumbotron to to read. I forget which one. I think one. he gave it to me. Let me just uh, jack into the right, internet well, right now. Into the flop net. Okay, well, powering up. Okay, this message is for Jonah. The message is from Edith, Tina, and friends. Jonah, happy birthday, and congratulations on starting a PhD. From all of us, we hope you still have time for bad movies now that you've started school, especially with the impending Shocktober. Here's the gift you've always wanted, a message immortalized in an episode of The Flophouse. Hopefully read by Stuart. From Edith, Tina, and friends. Meow. Uh, that reminds me. Shocktober was mentioned in that lovely message. Uh, I know that this being September, this should be a small timber episode. Small Vember. The, uh, That's why we watched Teeny Tiny Little Movie. Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in yeah. the Shell. Ghost no, in the Small. <laughs> we watched Ghost in the Shell because you I You know forgot. how small that ghost has to be to fit in that little shell? <laughs> I forgot... <laughs> I forgot that when we were recording it, that I mean, we're still in August right now. I forgot that it would be a September episode. But what's the weight of a human spirit, Elliot? Uh, that would be 21 grams. <laughs> Thank you. I thought it was seven pounds. Uh, <laughs> that would be I a don't huge know. spirit. I don't know what that has to do with anything. But uh, the point is, there's two more uh, Saturdays, flop Saturdays in September. So we're going to have our usual programming on those two. Saturdays. Dan, you don't so, need to apologize to these people. Uh, I just want to, if anyone was confused or were about you apologizing why we to us because our favorite time of year, month. small November. Because let me tell uh, you what, let me tell you what months people look forward to in the flop house. Cage Miss number one, mm-hmm. October number two, Cage Miss in July number three, all the other months, and then at the bottom, small November. I don't think that's true. Well, I look forward to uh, small timber more than small November. Any other month of the year, I think, because we get the really crazy shit with the small movies. Uh, what the That's hell true. was that? What was that noise? Are you doing a little Foley work? What? Oh, I was moving around some stuff over here. Okay. Uh, before we move I have on. Because I have my DVD for our first small Vember movie, and I wanted to make sure that it was right here in front of me so I could gaze at it longingly. Oh. Did you guys... Uh, <laughs> Have you guys ever like bought a DVD or a Blu-ray and yeah, you're lots excited? Of times. Okay, no, let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> and you're excited to excited to watch it, but like you couldn't watch it right away, so you just like looked at the box a lot. That was sure. me with with toys when I was a kid. I used like, to I used to take like 
video game box. If I couldn't play video like a video game when I first bought it, I'm like, I'm going to take this to the bathroom and read the manual. And boy, the first time I took a new game to the uh, bathroom and I found out that they don't package them with manuals anymore because oh. it's all like in-game information. Right. I was so bummed. I just had to sit on the toilet and look at a fucking disc. <laughs> <laughs> and look at a fucking dick. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Dan, Dan, please. Uh, Dan, before Dan, we... Dan, 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 please, please, Dan, Dan, okay. Dan. Yeah. You got a message for us, Dan? Uh, Dan, Dan. Well, Dan. First, first off, uh, Dan, Dan, if Dan. you want to get up on the Jumbotron, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. But I also want to thank a few people. For things they've sent. I want to thank Alan for the copy of Zolar, the extreme sports movie. Christine for the three Christian DVDs. Him for the creepy collector card set. Dan for the copy of Pass the Ammunition. Billy for the three books. And Steve for the monster posters. So thanks. And I'd like to thank everybody who came out to my little Flophouse meetup at Gen Con. What? I guess that was last week now. Uh, thanks for coming and hanging out in the lobby of a hotel and playing a game where most of the answers were me or my friend's jokes. Uh, I kind of felt like a dumbass uh, for making people do that, but uh, you guys were all really cool. All right. I'd like to thank all the people yeah. who have read our Flophouse Funnies comic books, and I want to let make sure they know that there's more on the way. And I want to thank all the people who are going to be at our live shows coming up in the fall. Ooh, ah, exciting. Ooh. In October, uh, we've got one in L- in one in LA on October 8th. We've got one in Toronto on October 21st. And we've got one in San Francisco. Uh, when is that? December something? December. December 9th. Uh, December yeah. 9th. We had said before that the Toronto show was sold out. I heard a rumor that people were still getting tickets. So maybe check on that uh, if you are possibly interested. And it could be that we got misinformation. I don't know. Everybody thought they were getting tickets to Chapo Flophouse. Then they found out they were (laughs) wrong and they're returning them. Yep. Dan, uh, I think, Dan, you you said you wanted just a really intimate show of like just 10 people in there with us, right? Right. Yeah, that's it. It's a more of a cabaret. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they everyone gets served drinks and curly fries? Is that what they do at cabaret shows? <laughs> that's right. So, Dan, what you're saying is everybody knows that the, the, Toronto show sold, the, the Toronto show sold out. But what your book supposes is maybe it didn't? Yeah, that's right. That's a Royal Tenenbaums joke. Uh, okay. Was it a joke or was it a reference? What's the difference in today's internet world, Dan? Make a meme out of it. I don't know. All right. Uh, So now it's time for letters from listeners. Listeners like you. Uh, And the first letter is from Jana, who writes, Greetings from North Yorkshire, England. The other night I introduced my husband to Elliot Product Placement, Mystery Science Theater 3000. Although she was watching the classic uh, episodes, it's a, because she says she watched Manos, The Hands of Fate. Although it is a very well-rated 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, 
I was introduced to my new favorite B-movie character, Torgo. Now, let's yeah, everybody loves Torgo. Let's be clear, though. This is a Z movie. This is not a B movie. <laughs> That's true. Manos is barely a movie. It's as uh, as part of, about as low as movies get. Still, look, you gotta be you gotta give credit to anybody who says I don't know how to make a movie, but I'm gonna make one anyway. Yeah, I guess you do. I guess that's one philosophy of life. I guess you don't gotta. Now that I think about <laughs> no. it, you don't you don't gotta give credit to a guy who says I don't know how to make a movie, and you're like maybe you should just like not do that and do something else more useful, like start a soup kitchen. Yeah. Just imagine how bad the soup kitchen that the guy who made Manos would make. <laughs> the soup would be inedible. They'd just throw it at people, and they wouldn't even give it to poor people. They'd give it to us, like, cats and dogs. Yeah. So anyway, and, and not and not And not poor cats and dogs, not strays, very wealthy ones who do mm-hmm. not need that soup. Yeah. The kind they're, of they're, used used the they're used to eating fancy feasts out of crystal goblets. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Torgo has taken Just over like from- in Indiana Jones... <laughs> and the kingdom of the crystal goblet <laughs> full of fancy feast. <laughs> Boy, that they're was a really, disappointing one, right? They're really looking, they've got, they're going really way down the list for MacGuffins in these movies. <laughs> he's like, he's like legend tells of a crystal goblet that the wealthiest cat in the world would eat its food out of. We've got to put it in a museum. Yeah. But also the, food. yeah. Mutts on the case. <laughs> what? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that Shia LaBeouf's character? Mutt? Yeah. But, his name is yeah. Mutt. And he That's goes, the name I of a dog, cats. guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. He's uh, like, I hate cats, love snakes. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, we're just more letter. Uh, Torgo has taken over for my previous favorite, Zardoz. I never thought I could find another character I could adore more than a floating head that can treat Sean Connery post-bond as an inferior being and tell Torgo, oh, Torgo. So my question to you gentlemen <laughs> is this. Oh, Torgo. <laughs> What is your favorite character from a B-movie? Perhaps a character that most people wouldn't know about that won you over because the character made the film just a little less intolerable. And a second question, if you have the time. After the girl-on-girl-on-girl-on-girl-on-girl fight scene in Manos, I wanted to know what is the best-worst fight scene you can remember. Again, that's from Jana. So, is there a character in a two bad big movie questions well, thanks for writing in Jana. i've got an answer for that first question my favorite character from a b movie is someone i believe i've talked about on this podcast and i know i talked about them on my recent appearance on jordan jesse go but that would be the robot janitor from rotor rotor is a pretty not very good but pretty funny robocop ripoff and there's a robot janitor that works in the laboratory where they invent a robocop and he is so bumbling and absent-minded that my theory, I'll just state it again, that they had written a part for an absent-minded, bumbling janitor and a robot auditioned and nailed the part, and they just gave the part <laughs> to the robot. But he's uh, he is like such a fun character. I, I would love to see a movie or comic book series just about that robot janitor. What do you, what do you think, Stu? Robert Loja and No Deposit? I mean, he's great in that. Uh, it's, I mean, it's tough for me. Like Both of these questions are kind of tough because I'm having trouble separating movies that are like, B movies from movies I actually like. Right. And from the um, B movie. Uh-huh. Which is a movie I actually like. <laughs> uh no, I'm kidding. I don't like that. Um <laughs> have you seen the B movie? No, you, no, I haven't seen it? the B movie. Have you? <laughs> Guys, let's all oh, watch boy. the B movie. Guys, let's stop judging things we haven't seen yet. Okay? Okay. Yeah. So I shouldn't oh. make a shouldn't make any more B movie jokes. Okay, guys. So Dan, <laughs> after we're done recording this. 
go through all of the episodes we've ever recorded uh-huh. and edit out every reference I make to not liking the B movie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then re-put them all up on iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever you do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it, but I, I don't know how you do that witchcraft. magic that you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like the first, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I would call the Phantasm movies B movies, but I don't think they're bad. They're just like, you know, they're yeah. kind of B movies. And uh, Reggie Bannister is a clear star in those movies as uh, Reg. And yeah. he's, I mean, come on, he's awesome. You don't usually get a balding, ponytailed ice cream man. With a vest. With as your hero. <laughs> yeah. What, what I like about him is, is that he's a character who... The older he gets as the series goes on, the cooler they try to make him out to be. <laughs> like I feel like in the first movie, he's very clearly the kind of like goofy sidekick to the real cool older brother. But as he becomes the hero of the series as it goes on, they're like, oh, shit, I guess we have to make him the cool guy. And it kind of works, but it's still pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, it's so great. He's such a ladies' man. Oh, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we don't have to answer the second question if we, if if we don't have any good answers because you know she was pretty sneaky sneaking in two questions like that. Pretty but, sneaky, Jana. Oh wait, but, I have, but I have, a, I have a yeah. nominee. I don't know if it's uh, the best worst fight scene, but uh, the fight scene in Jim Cotta where that pommel horse appears out of nowhere oh, in the, in that oh, yeah. medieval village. That's pretty good. It's a pretty good bad fight scene. <laughs> uh, I just remembered something. This is not a movie, but I watched. Uh, <laughs> this I watched... is a thing that really happened to me, but I got in a fight in third grade. I lost. That was the worst fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the NBC had their terrible Peter Pan uh, live production, and I watched some of that. And at the end, uh, Christopher Walken and Allison Williams have a sword fight. And it is just as skilled as you would imagine both of those uh, people being as fencers. Like, I think I tweeted at the time that it looked like a fight between two windshield wipers set on slow. (laughs) And uh, that was a pretty bad fight scene. And a way to promote your Twitter feed. That's at Dank McCoy. That's true. On Twitter. Yeah, Uh, I've been, uh, speaking of whitewashing, I've been watching uh, Iron Fist. And... uh, Man, that is some bad martial arts on that show. No, thank you. Uh, but that doesn't square because he's supposed to be the greatest martial arts fighter in the world. I know. Maybe they maybe they slowed it down for Western audiences to see, like they did mm. to Jet Li and Lethal Weapon Four. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And Bruce Lee when he was when he was on uh, the Green Hornet show. Yeah, they were like, slow it down, Bruce. Slow it down, because he also d- used to deliver his lines as fast as he could fight. Yeah, and you got to get where- that. You got to get it out. Time's and a, money. A young boy watched that on TV and was like, hey, and that boy grew up to be. Oh, no. And that boy's name was the Micro Machines Man. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story. Uh, this next letter goes like this. It's from Trevor, last name withheld. Trevor, Trevor Noah, Noah, your boss? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm new to the show, so I'm going through <laughs> your back catalog. Sorry I just, about some of those. I just listened to the Atlas. <laughs> I just listened to the Atlas Shrugged episode, and I have to say, I love the addition of new co-host Shubin Parang. He's so much more insightful and engaging than that party animal who used to be on the show. I think mm. his name was Selbert Walkinghorn. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that you waited so long since the Trespass episode to make him a permanent host, but I guess Elliot had to go through an audition, too. 
I can't wait to continue listening to this new, presumably permanent edition of the show. Yep. And since he mentioned in the Atlas episode that he never got fan mail, hopefully this will make his day. My question is, what actor would you love to see in a remake of a film you love? I thought Oscar Isaac would do a great job in the Nicholson role in Five Easy Pieces, and I loved the I, I loved the idea of a remake of The Conversation starring Nicolas Cage. Seriously. If for some reason Jubin isn't around when you answer this, feel free to direct this towards whatever awesome dude happens to be in the studio. Love, Trevor, last name withheld. Oh, Stuart. Stuart. No, it's it's cool, face. guys. You know, I take it in stride. Water off a of stew's back. You know what they say. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. Why would you pour water in your stew? It's already pretty <laughs> watery. It's stew. Oh, you don't want to make it. It's got to be mean, thick. I, I guess, yeah. but maybe you yeah. want soup to feed your fancy animals. I guess. But you want like a thick roux. You know, you don't oh, want okay. it to be too watered down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roux McClanahan, that is. There's no <laughs> thicker. I was, was going to say roux I just love my thick roux. Uh, <laughs> McClanahan trumps Winnie the Pooh reference okay so uh, actor you'd like to see in a film you love oh man it's hard to replace people in films you love though well, like, that's you the, know it's yeah I mean like my favorite movie taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 it could be updated and I, you know who might have the chops to be like a charismatic bad guy like Robert Shaw but still dignified maybe like John Travolta okay I'm following you he, you uh, know you know he who, can play he can play a believable badass cool guy like no other actor. Yeah, and uh, Walter Matthau's part is a real hangdog kind of like schmo who's just put in this situation, but he's more clever than you think. So when I think like kind of a like loser who never gets what's going to him and is kind of hangdog, I think maybe like Denzel Washington, maybe. Wow, I think you hit the, nailed it in one, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's what I would see. Yeah, I think it would be an interesting experiment, though. If you if you had to. You had to recast taking film one, two, three. Who actually would you recast it with? Do you think? Uh, I'm trying to think mm. of like, mm. like John Turturro maybe in the Walter Matthau role. He's kind of like got a like a bit of the same vibe. I could see that. I could see that. That sound was John Turturro driving by outside, honking his horn <laughs> in, in approval. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who would play the Martin Balsam sneezy guy role. Wallace Shawn. Yeah. Oh, perfect. I would love to see Wallace Shawn in a heist. <laughs> Actually, I would love to see Wallace Shawn in the Robert Shaw role. I think that would be amazing. He's yeah. just like a super tough-as-nails guy, but uh, he's very unassuming when you see him. But he's like pointing guns at people. He's giving mean speeches. I would love to see that. And you know what? You know who could play the Walter Matthau part? Who's got that kind of like hangdog feel? Wallace Shawn. So I think you have <laughs> Wallace Shawn in both parts. And you call it... The taking of Wallace Shawn, one, two, and that's it, because there's just two of them in there. Oh, but he's the, he's the Martin Balsam sneezy guy, so that's three. The taking of Wallace Shawn, one, two, three, because there's three Wallace Shawns in it. Mm. That sounds great. But I could also see, what if you did, if you did a remake of, like, uh, like, the front page, Dan, who would you put, or, or rather, His Girl Friday, who would you put in that, Dan? Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that because I was like, what are some favorite movies of mine? And I, I, I guess the accepted Cary Grant replacement these days is George Clooney. I think, uh, I think he could probably do it in a fun way. I mean, he's no Cary Grant, but he's like the closest thing we have. And, uh, he's the Cary Grant we deserve. And even if it's not the Cary Grant we want. Yeah, you need a real 
brassy dame for the uh for the woman and i don't know like women don't get a chance to like show off that side in movies that much so i don't know who would be like if uh if you're going for like i mean i keep thinking jennifer jason lee just because of the hudsucker proxy but that's boring i i feel like um the hudsucker proxy is boring <laughs> Damn it! You know what I mean. That's what reviewers That's at the time choice. said. They were wrong, but what if you went like more like Daffy with the role, like like a like duck, I, like Isla Fisher or something like that, like a comedian uh, woman? That might be fun. Yeah. And if I had to recast the lead of Lawrence of Arabia, one of my favorite movies, <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh no! I, I started it like a joke. Uh, but no, um, I feel like I, I feel like Michael Fassbender has already styled himself as a Peter O'Toole type in Prometheus. <laughs> That'll work for me. Oh uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good one. Uh, actually, I, this is one I have been thinking about, and any Hollywood executives are listening. It's something I would definitely write. Is I was thinking about who would who would I cast in a remake of The Thin Man? Like yeah. who would be Nick and Norrell Charles for me? And I think I would cast. Uh, Anna Kendrick and Michael B. Jordan in those roles, in the huh. Myrna Loy and William Powell roles. I think they could pull it off easy. Easy peasy. Stuart, what was that face you're making? Uh, I'm trying to remember those movies. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's never going to get done unless Hollywood call me up. You know my fee $700,000. Oh, that's not bad. Also, uh, I don't own the rights to that IP, so uh, somebody else do it. Stuart. Yeah. The last letter is directed at you. Okay. I don't know who it's from. It's a mystery. <laughs> okay. It goes, what would what, happen? Did, did, your, did your cat eat the rest of the letter? Like, what, what do you mean you don't know who it's from? <laughs> Just arrived on your doorstep? Someone tied it to a brick and thrown through your window? How did it someone, get to you? Someone tied it to a baby in a bassinet that they put outside my door, and I threw the baby away, but I kept a note. Mm-hmm. I think that's the plot of Willow. <laughs> <laughs> so it says, Stuart. What would happen if an ant had put on the one ring? Holy shit, dude. Um, <laughs> have you seen, you got, you guys are hip to the internet, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know that, meme, the, you know, that expanding brain meme where, uh, you know, it'll be like one thing and it shows a, a head with a bunch of lightning bolts in it. Then the next thing, like there's even more lightning bolts. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about we're talking about maximum brain lightning bolts here because the ant, oh my god, would he I guess he would see first off, I guess ants have fingers. I guess the magic would work that way. I think the tree would probably turn invisible. <laughs> yeah. It seems like a pretty simple uh <laughs> No, hear me out, guys. Mm, okay. When the ant puts the ring on, uh-huh. it would turn invisible. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I can see that. Case closed. Thanks. <laughs> you, Thanks, Detective you, you, you did it. You did it. <laughs> People said you couldn't do it. And I also, I also think... But you did it. I also you think that one. I also think the, the ant would be able to resist the lure of Sauron. Yeah, all right. So it'd be invisible. forever (laughs) just and every now and then someone would just bump into an invisible tree yep pretty cool right what a story that could have been if a tree puts on a magic ring and then falls down and there's no one around to see it because it's invisible and they can't hear it either does it make a sound 
But you, but you said it doesn't make a sound <laughs> in your setup. To oh, yeah, that you're right. I answered my own question there. That's a real tummy teaser. So now what do we do on this show? (laughs) Wait, I want to know what a tummy what a tummy teaser is. (laughs) Is it when you chew gum and the and your tummy's like, oh boy, he's chewing. Some food's gonna show up and then it doesn't. Because you spit it out. (laughs) To me, it's like a brain teaser, but it's like you go to one of those molecular gastronomy restaurants and they send out like an amuse bouche that it's like one thing that tastes like another thing. And they're like, oh, it's a real tummy teaser. I yeah, yeah. they're like, that. please enjoy this fried egg. And you're like, okay, I'll eat this egg. Wait a minute. This doesn't taste like eggs at all. And they're like, hee, 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 hee. They're the real imps of the gastronomic world. They, uh, yeah, Elliot, what do you think about imps? So what do we do on this show? <laughs> uh, oh, the last thing we do is we recommend movies that we liked. Instead of uh, going to see Ghost in the Shell, which I think even the, the ones of us that sort of liked it would recommend you not do that. Yeah. Uh, Elliot, what do you got? Uh, well, I originally was going to recommend uh, Under the Skin, as I feel like it tried to do a similar thing to this movie philosophically in a much more effective way. But Dan mentioned it already. So uh-huh. I don't know if I'm okay. going to re- recommend it or not. Or recommend it. I am going to say that uh, if you want to see a movie where Scarlett Johansson is questioning what it means to be human and it's very creepy and spooky, then Under the Skin is the one to go see. Um, Lucy? Lucy is not so spooky. uh, And Lucy is one of those movies that like it first started going and I was like, this is going to be crazy. And after a certain point, I was like, it felt like eating too much candy where I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my tummy hurts. I teased it too much. (laughs) Yep. The I'm going to I'm going to make up for Elliot's partial recommendation. Well, I do have I, w- I have something. I have another partial recommendation. If that counts okay. as one recommendation. OK, uh, two partials. Just, la- just last night, I watched uh, the movie Captain Fantastic with Viggo Mortensen, where mm-hmm. he is a dad who has decided to raise his children off the grid in the woods because he doesn't trust corporations or the, you know, the, the system we all live in. That it's not but it's it's not a place for human equality and human potential. But has to because of a tragedy in their family he has to take them back into what we would know as that what would we call the real world uh and they all kind of deal with the fact that for all the things they know about surviving in the woods there's a lot they don't know about living in modern life and the tensions in that family and I didn't love it completely I felt like it was a movie that still fell into some of the tropes that like a family on a road trip to learn something about themselves movie would fall into like uh Little Miss Sunshine or something, but I thought what I liked about it was that the acting in it is really good. Everyone's really good in it, but that Viggo Mortensen's character is like this very self-righteous, you know, one of these guys who's like, I'm going to devote myself to making my kids as great as they can be, and we're going to live by our ideals, and there are things that are admirable about about him in that way and things that are not, and that he is allowed as a character in the film to be both charismatic and also – a real piece of crap at times. And uh, the, his ideology is neither so much better than everything we do, but it's also not a totally dumb, silly thing. Like it's a movie that allows its character to be a little right and a little wrong in a way that a lot of movies don't seem to allow. And I liked that about it. All right. Uh, I have two, I have two recommendations and they're both kind of qualified. 
I recently did some flying around the around the country of ours, this mm-hmm. country. And I uh You're talking to the salt of the earth. <laughs> <laughs> I flew to Naptown, USA. <laughs> yeah. Uh and on the flight both ways I watched a movie. Uh on the way out, I watched uh Split, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. Uh about James McAvoy having a whole bunch of personalities in his head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, it's, you know, I think it's. I, w- a- I, wish, I wish you said it this way, but you know, that James McAvoy's got a whole lot of personality. Too much, some would say. <laughs> and M. Night Shyamalan's split. But anyway, you're saying. Uh, yeah. Elliot did a better punch up of split than I just did. Um, <laughs> no. It, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a fun little thriller. Uh, I think it's a little slight that it, uh, there's a lot of buildup to get to the end. Um, and it feels. <laughs> It feels like it doesn't quite need its whole hour and 50 minute runtime, but you know, it was, uh, it was pretty fun. And the fact that it's part of this new M night Shyamalanaverse with unbreakable is very exciting. <laughs> uh, that universe called Philadelphia <laughs> and, uh, Denzel Washington there is, and there is a really great scene of James McAvoy dancing around, which is awesome. Uh, and I, on the way back, I watched a movie called Dave made a maze, which is on streaming on a lot of VOD services right now. And it's about an artist who, uh, can never seem to finish projects. And while his girlfriend is away for the weekend, he builds a maze out of cardboard in his living room that seems very small, but once he's inside it, he gets lost and his girlfriend has to assemble friends of his to go inside this, uh, go inside the maze and get him out of there. Uh, you know, it's much larger on the inside than on the outside. And it, uh, it's a movie that feels like it was, I think it was probably meant to be a shorter film and they, there's definitely some padding, uh, padding in it, but Uh the, like the design is so great and the uh, like it's this whole like maze made out of cardboard and although all the uh, the traps are made out of cardboard and it just looks great and it's uh, it's pretty fun. And James Urbaniak is awesome in it. <laughs> He's really charming in us uh, in a support role. Uh, I have a movie that I was going to recommend a different movie, but the themes of Ghost in the Shell inspire me to recommend a movie that I saw. Just uh, two days ago, I believe. I can't remember when I do things. Uh, it's called Marjorie Prime. And it's about uh, a world where there are these things called primes that are fake uh, sort of images of people, like dead people in your life that you use as therapy devices uh, to talk to. And uh, it stars Lois Smith as an elderly woman who has a prime of her husband played by John Hamm and it helps her with her Alzheimer's and just like being happy in her life. And she's living with her uh, daughter played by Gina Davis and her husband played by Tom, uh, Tim Robbins. Sorry. And uh, it's a movie that has a lot to say about, uh, aging and death, uh, but also about memory and how 
our memories are not necessarily accurate. They're memories of memories. And these primes are learning other people's memories and sort of what that means to like their humanity, whether that sort of turns them more human. Uh, And it talks about like legacy. These primes sort of live on after the people that they're representing have gone and, and what that means uh, to their, to the, I don't know what, is what that means uh, philosophically. Um, it's a very good movie. It's it's just a bunch of conversations in one house. It was based on a play, but it still feels engaging, even though like they haven't like opened up the play, as they say. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the acting is terrific, and uh, it's worth seeing. It's playing in exactly one theater in New York, so that no, means that run, pretty much anywhere walk. else you, in the world you can't see it. Uh, but I'm sure it'll be on demand or on uh, DVD. It's not one of those movies where after the runtime, they uh, put it in a box in a museum or Martin (laughs) Screlly buys it. Yeah. Yeah, They just give it to Martin Screlly and he webcams himself watching it, but you can't see it. And he just goes, Oh, this is good. Too bad. You'll never see it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So three, wait, a bunch more recommendations. Okay, so what do we do now we that we've it. recommended movies? Now, uh, now, that, now that we've pushed the bounds of how long a Flophouse episode should ever go. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and it's our first, as, a, as we said, remote episode, so things, things went well, guys. Things are going Yeah, well. thanks, for, thanks for bearing with us. Yeah. Yeah, to all our The listeners. sound quality will improve, I promise. What are the other things we can say? Uh, well, our our timing will get better, and our rhythm our rhythm will come back. Although it wasn't the rhythm will get, it's going to get you, you know. Yeah, the rhythm's going to get you. Feel the beat of the rhythm of the night. Yeah, uh, uh, flute, flute player, play that flute. Yeah, I know you <laughs> want to get your thing on. Turn the beat around. Um, before we go, Carib- just, Caribbean Queen, we're sharing the same dream. Mm-hmm. Just really quick, uh, we're part of the network, the Maximum Fun Network. Uh, mm-hmm. Go to MaximumFun.org, listen to a bunch of other great programs on our network. And uh, I guess that's it, guys. I guess it is. <laughs> I guess it is. Hey, you know what? I feel like I've got something to share, and I need to share it with you guys. What's that? Uh, it's a song. <sighs> uh, oh, oh, but this no. episode's so long. I'll tell you what. I'll do it next time. Okay. Okay. Well, that Hey, case- guys. I want to apologize to the listeners for not having a song this time, and I want to say to the listeners, you're welcome for not having a song this time. Because <laughs> I know it's very divisive. But uh, for the Flophouse, Dan, who are we? I've been Dan McCoy. I am Stuart Wellington, beep boop, or am I? And this is Elliot Kalen, dude, from California, man. Hey, bro. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, it's happening. Join Can us I- next time for Smallvember. Good night, everyone. Bye. That's what they want from the Stuart Wellington celebrity experience. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they got the whole thing. We all, uh, I gave them all 10 minutes to scrub me down in the shower. (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, wait, so wait, they all had they all, 10 minutes as a group or each person got 10 minutes individually? E- each person. Wow. The water was very cold by the time I finished my <laughs> That's shower. That's over a three-hour shower. That's a long shower. <laughs> you must have been so, like, you you get clean, but then you get dirty again from a shower like that. Yeah, exactly. 
so much waste I'm also, water. Uh, yeah, because I'm eating chili and stuff in there, too. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah, you need to give the people at the late end something to clean off. Yeah. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.